Hi there, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of the creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. This episode is all about Matt Wilson, a longtime entrepreneur that has transitioned from the New York blogging lifestyle to focusing on enabling people to travel the world and build long-lasting friendships as they do it. He works on his company, Under 30 Experiences, from Costa Rica, Mai. I'm going to ask Matt about how exactly he runs the business and make sure, you know, it grows while still making all of these choices that are so important to him as a person, like living in Costa Rica instead of New York or the U.S., you know, surfing every single day, exercising, meditating, eating real food. All of this stuff takes a lot of time. And I'll ask about his blind faith in his project and what he's struggling with to work on next. Let's get to it. Matt, it's awesome to have you on Process. Matt Wilson, it is wonderful to be speaking with you. Marcella, good to see. It has been tanto tiempo, as tanto they say. Tanto tiempo, amigo. Just to let everybody know listening, Matt Wilson and I go way back. I think I, it's safe to say you are my favorite internet friend. Wow. <laughs> wow. I am, I am absolutely flattered, Marcella. It's not everybody that I meet on the interwebs that, you know, stays at my casa we meet on Twitter. We meet up at the beach. We, uh, I mean, it, I feel like we go so, our friendship goes back, what, like five years, four years? I'm not even sure anymore. Time flies. Um, yeah, sure. So let's, I would love to let everybody in on who Matt Wilson is and what are you up to. Um, but let's go way back. Okay. Let's go back to before under 30 CEO, which we'll get into in a okay, little bit. Cool. Let's go back to a very difficult time. Let's start <laughs> off. <laughs> Let's start off deep. Tell us a little bit about what spurred you to become an entrepreneur with a high school buddy. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm going to have, if, if we're going to go all the way back, I'm all just going to bring you <laughs> way back to like the lemonade stand. Um, oh, you had one of those. Oh, for sure. I had many. Well, it was it resided at the same place. I didn't franchise it, but literally one of my first memories and my first business lessons, I can remember being with my brother and remember my brother is three years younger than me and he was in diapers still. So that means I wasn't very old. And uh, I remember he was playing the xylophone with his diaper on and kind of running probably a little too close to the street than my parents would have preferred playing the xylophone basically in the street to attract customers to the lemonade stand. And uh, we had two sizes of lemonade. We had the five cent cup, which was a Dixie cup, you know, that you would, uh, I don't know, probably brush your brush your teeth. This is what we did with little tiny Dixie cups was brush our teeth with them and then fl- uh, rinse after. Or the eight ounce solo cup, I believe, uh, was, the, was the large and that was 10 cents. And so that was the first lemonade stand. And I I learned my first business lesson because my mom, you know, I had other neighborhood kids working for me and and stuff like that at at the time. You know, I was was running Christopher Drive in Bristol, Rhode Island. And uh, my mom said, I I went to go and pay my employees. And my mom said, well, you know, you have to account for your overhead. And I was like, mom, what's, what's overhead? And she gave me my first business lesson. And she said, well, you know, the ice cubes, those ice 
cubes aren't free. We have to pay for water, and uh, we have to freeze the water, and we have to. So we have to pay for electricity, and we're gonna need next week. We're gonna need to go to Stop and Shop, and we're gonna need to pick up more Dixie cups. So you got to account for that, and uh, that was my first business lesson right there. So that's way back. I mean, you're speaking about you had employees. That's a very intense limited stand. I I, I must admit. Sounds like you were, I mean, now I want to fast forward a little bit. (laughs) At under 30 now, how many people are on payroll? So we have, okay, uh, we're we're still less than a 10-person team, but we are somewhere between six and eight people. We're a lot uh, of collaborators, I feel. A lot of collaborators. I mean, we have 25 to 30 local community managers all across the United States and Canada who get their communities together, who absolutely love their experience with under 30, and then said, hey, I want to bring the community together in Kansas City, Missouri, or in LA, San Francisco, Seattle, Chicago, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Austin, Dallas, Houston. I mean, pretty much all over the country, just about it. I mean, we have Phoenix, we have Tucson. Um, so we've had a lot of travelers and a very high percentage of those people really want to stay involved in a major way. And so they throw happy hours for us and they, they'll do things like just genuinely get people, good people together who are travelers who want to meet other cool young people. And so they'll say, all right, let's go hiking on Saturday and get a bunch of group of people to go do something cool because their friends are, you know, normally busy. I don't know what people do on Saturday mornings. They're hungover or something. <laughs> all right. So we have your lemonade stand with employees paying for stop and shop and ice cubes. Um, and now you're telling me you've, you've grown from that moment to a company that has various projects and 25 to 30 and that, you know, people involved, collaborators involved, up to 10 people on payroll. What happened in between to get you there? <laughs> well, so after the lemonade stand, I guess thinking chronologically, I started mowing lawns. Um, I've mowed a lot of lawns, uh, you know, and in right before I went to college, uh, I sold that business. And so that was a pretty cool experience. And then I, st- I had another little maintenance company and we did car detailing and all sorts of stuff all through all through college. Um, I just always wanted to work for myself, and uh, but when I got to co- when I got to college, that's when it really kind of clicked for me that I showed up at a business school. Except I went to Bryant University, small private business school outside of Boston, and I got there, and everyone was like walking around campus with a suit. And uh, well, I Marcella, I have no shirt on, no shoes on right now, and you know I am in the jungle talking to you. So the suit thing was not really for me from the very early stages. And uh, yeah, and so I got there. I was like, well, this is stuffy. What if we want to start our own business? And they said, well, you should have gone to Babson, which was our big competitor. And I said, well, (laughs) to hell, well, sorry, I'm not at Babson. And uh, to hell with you guys, I'm going to start my own thing here. And so I started my own business, of course, but we also started 
a chapter of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization and went from about five people in the room sitting there saying, yeah, we should have the resources on a college campus at a university to be able to start our own businesses and they should support us to growing that organization into 150 people where we had you know huge brand name speakers like Ted Turner and Kenneth Cole come to campus. Uh, we lobbied to be able to get an entrepreneurship major minor, which there was absolutely no entrepreneurship in uh, curriculum in 2004 when we started the initiative. And then five years later, uh, right after I graduated, I found out that entrepreneurship was actually the number one declared major by the incoming freshman class. So in five years, we completely changed the culture of the entire university. And uh, just by kind of getting a grassroots student-run movement in uh, just rolling. And uh, that's that's what I like to do. I like to get people excited. And so now we get people excited about, um, you know, starting businesses and starting cool side projects and also about traveling and kind of getting what they want out of life in getting what they want out of life instead of what your teachers and your government and what your parents or whomever wanted to tell you all of your life and point you in that direction, go in your own direction. You're creating a bunch of rebels. That's what you are. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so Under 30 CEO comes about. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about Under 30 CEO and how it transitions to Under 30 experiences, which is where you're at now. Okay, so we had this amazing organization of all these smart, young, innovative, passionate people in college. I moved back after having a really nice amount of job offers in 2007, 2008, when the economy was booming. And then it takes you to 2008, 2009, where I'm glad I turned down that fancy job at the hedge fund because everything, the bottom fell out of everything. And uh, Jared O'Toole and I, my co-founder from Poughkeepsie, New York, were sitting on our, on his grandparents' front porch saying, well, this is interesting. This is an interesting time in uh, in history. What are we going to do? And I just wanted to be surrounded by more innovative young people and be involved in more entrepreneurial communities, both online and offline. And in 2008, there weren't a lot of bloggers. And Marcella, you may have been one of them. I'm not sure when you started your blog, but it was it must have been soon after that because I've been following it for a long time. But there were only a few of us out there who wanted to get people together online in a in a community and and speak about the things that were important to young people. I started 2010. So I was probably reading for about a year. Sure. Um, sure. Then, exactly. Yeah. Hopping on Twitter. And so I was definitely around on Twitter and I started creating myself in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, we grew under 30 CEO to about a half a million readers per month uh, at one point. And we got to the kind of this inflection point where we needed to either whore ourselves out like BuzzFeed and just uh, start picking up more and more advertisers. We were talking a little bit about this before and how just, I don't know, just sitting and cold calling advertisers and cold emailing and trying to create a little sales team and doing all this stuff. It just wasn't what we wanted to do. We cared about the people within our community. And so we started to go the events route and uh, get more young people together for for workshops and seminars and competitions and stuff like that. And I went on a random 
trip to Iceland uh, to explore the effects of climate change on young entrepreneurs, businesses in Iceland. Like I couldn't make this up. It was just completely a random opportunity that came through from one of our half a million readers uh, every month at Under 30 CEO. And they said, they said, hey, we'd love for you to come and check out what's happening in Iceland. And I said, Iceland? We're like, I'm going to the North Pole. Like I hadn't been out of my little apartment in New York uh, in in years. I felt like I, I just needed to get out. You know, it was just pushing page views for 12 to 14 hours a day, and uh, yeah, making per click, you know, money per click or whatever. And I was like, well, this kind of sucks. And I went to went to Iceland, and I just was blown away by all the people that I met, and it got me back in touch with all the things in the outdoors that I'd love to do and the volcanoes and the glaciers and the I mean the place is just amazing and plus there was a startup scene there which I thought wait a second I don't need to be in this a little tiny apartment in New York thinking that I need to be surrounded uh, by those smart, young, innovative people. I can do this anywhere in the world. And that's what led me on the journey uh, to start traveling and coming. I mean, we got to hang out at the U.S. Embassy in Nicaragua to hang out and talk about these things. Um, and so, yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. Is that where we first met? I think we had, I mean, we've definitely Skyped before then, but I think our first physical encounter was at the embassy. And then we headed over to San Juan and many, many tequilas later and <laughs> many, many fun times. And Srini was there of unmistakable yeah. creative and uh, all this, all this cool stuff happened. But I think the embassy was, was the first time we actually met. And so now that was 2013. I believe. Or 2000. I think it was. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'll trust you on that. I'll tr- yeah, maybe it was 2013, early in April 2013. April. Yep. The next time we met up was uh, December for your next Nicaragua trip or November. And then I probably missed all of the other ones because I was either pregnant or with a newborn. But the next one now, our little guy is definitely a water baby. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's, uh, He's ready for for the next under 30 beach trip. So fast forward two years, right? Um, Under 30 now you said has, you know, 25 to 30 collaborators all over the world. I just this morning on Facebook saw somebody saying I'm hosting a happy hour in Denver for under 30. Um, Awesome. What is it like now? Tell us a little bit about your life in Costa Rica. How did you get down there? And I mean, permanently. (laughs) And what is it like to live there and have your collaborators all over the world? So it's pretty sur- it's pretty surreal. Uh, I would have to say, like if somebody somebody told me this even th- three years ago, it's, if somebody told me this five years ago, I would have just told them that was that was absolutely crazy, and it would you know would have honestly would have been beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I yeah, I love I love what we're doing. I love what we're um, what we're building. I love the people that we get to talk to every day. I love the place where I'm fortunate enough to live. I mean, I've been, I've now been all over the world in the last three years, uh, and of course, not everywhere. And there are many, many, many places that I, I love in the world. But to be here, which is a really special place, um, yeah, I'm I'm just very, very grateful. But uh, with all that being said. How did I get here? Just, just giving it a shot, honestly, and just—it's uh, not easy. I mean, you know, 
I mean, granted, you are from Nicaragua, but it's not easy to just live in Central America. And I know that you've spent so much time in the States growing up that to just come down here, you kind of have to, you have to be very independent. You have to be scrappy. You have to want to be, you have to really want to be here. And as you know, nothing happens easily the internet goes out and things don't work and people don't show up on time and it doesn't happen efficiently like the states and so you have to have a lot of patience and uh, I had to learn the language I had to learn how to how to get around I had to learn the local culture but also be connected still back at home with us in the states and all of our travelers and uh, this would only be possible in really in the last 10 years with with the with the internet, I mean, uh, Marcella, my internet's not even working right now in my apartment. I'm talking to you on a 4G hotspot tethered for my iPhone right now. Like, it's pretty incredible that we're able to have this conversation even. That's, I love it. I've actually, in the past, on past podcast episodes, had to tell people, if my internet cuts out, give me a few minutes, I will connect via my phone, and I will call you back. And I've had to do it a few times. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, and, and also, I'm extremely grateful for for Jared because he likes his life in the states, and um, he he likes the jobs that he likes the job that he has to do uh, in the states, which I are the stuff that I you know I can't do or I don't want to do or you know. He wouldn't want to live in Costa Rica. I know that for sure because I've said, hey, man, come down. But he likes holding down our community in Austin, Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, you need to find a partner who is cool with that. Otherwise, this would not work at all. So, How many uh, years have you been working with Jared now? We have been working together since 2008. It's, that must be something similar to a marriage. <laughs> what is it, it is. like? Uh, how often do you speak, or or is it just constant Skype? What is it in the day to day? How does it work? Day to day, I usually call him a couple times a day. And granted, there it everything changes month to month. Sometimes, right? Like uh, last month, I think that was. Well, I've been here for five weeks, but before that, I was in Bali for a month and. So then I, we spoke less because 12-hour time difference and I was with the group. Because Bali. Yeah, because I was in Bali and he was in Austin. And so, and, and also I was, when I'm leading a group, I am 100% committed to that group. And I don't have, I mean, this is wake up and be at breakfast. Well, wake up at seven, coordinate logistics in the morning, maybe check my emails for 20 minutes be to breakfast by eight, be with the group the entire day, sometimes until sometimes until one in the morning if we if the group decides to go out and then wake up and do it again. So there's not a lot of time for me to call Jared. <laughs> so but when I have a more normal routine like I have for the last five weeks being here at home, then yeah, then it's been okay, I'll give him a ring once or twice a day. We use we have only we've really tried to uh, channel down our channel down bad word. Uh, channel down our communication channels. No, we, we've tried to get rid of, right? We, there's so many ways you can talk Facebook and, and WhatsApp and iMessage and I can call him. I can FaceTime him. Now we have Slack and email, but we've said, okay, there's only going to be two ways that we're going to talk. We're going to either speak with via email if it's something that's 
that's important that needs a lengthy response or Slack Messenger with the whole team if it's something quick or I'm going to FaceTime audio you. And those are pretty much the only ways that we communicate. So we've had to get real concise because especially as our team grows, so we have Android users, we have iPhone users, some people are on WhatsApp. We had people, we just had people, I was in Bali, Jared was in Austin, uh, Courtney and Eric were in Iceland and then went to Ireland. So, I mean, the time zone thing was completely crazy. And so uh, we get communications at all times of the year. And so we just are all times of the year, all times of the day. So we had to cut that down. So that was really something, uh, something of note anyhow. So you have been home now um, in Costa Rica for five weeks or so. Yes. And you have been reconnecting with your inbox, um, family and friends and everything that needs to happen. Tell me a little bit how it feels to plug back in does it is it overwhelming the kind of the amount of work that you need to face when you get off from a series of trips or is it kind of a relief it is both i would say no it's mainly just the first <laughs> mainly just extremely overwhel- overwhelming yet i'm relieved when some of the stuff is done so when i get an email that says that I haven't been able to respond to for a week and a half. That is, hey, you owe a lot of money to this hotel and you need to tell us right now if you're coming or not. That kind of thing can be extremely stressful. And so when those emails stack up and, uh, you know, there's bills that that stack up that we have to pay and we have to control our cash flow. And, um, you know, we have thousands and thousands of dollars across hotels in all different parts of the world and deposits. And how the heck do you keep track out of that? We're like in old fashioned spreadsheets and stuff, um, old fashioned. Yeah. and, And just so that can get very stressful and, um, I really, it really helps that I'm here and I'm not around a lot of stressed out people in Costa Rica, which is such a beautiful thing. Although people, it, things happen so slow here that, uh, people often don't understand me and I don't connect as well as I could. Luckily, I have this, you know, I'm able to speak to people like you on the phone all of the time. So I know that you get it. Um, But when I'm walking around town, and I just like I have to go to the grocery store to pay my lights, right to pay my electric bill. Well, I wish I could do this online. But of course, that's going to go take me 45 minutes, (laughs) because I'm going to jump in a Collectivo and uh, ride down the road to Collectivo. Yeah, I mean, I know, you know what that is, Marcella, but for the for the listener, it's just a random dude driving up on the ro- up and down the road trying to give people a ride, and uh, an you Uber. jump in with yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an Uber minus any app, <laughs> and uh, you know I just jump in Collectivo and go to the grocery store and pay my le- electric bill, but. <laughs> that can be really uh, it could be tough it could be tough that it, but it's it's very refreshing to be around people who just take life for what it is and are not always looking for the next big 
hit like they are in the startup scene and they're not stressed out here and uh, it lets me let go of my type A personality very much and uh, that's something that I've, I've struggled with quite a lot. So yes, to, to make a, that was a very long answer, but yeah, it's stressful. I would much rather just be hanging out with the groups and showing them the time of their life and go into the national park and pointing out the monkeys and the sloths and swimming in the Pacific and setting them up with the local guy to go up the estuary and look for crocodiles and stuff. That's the stuff that I really love. But as you grow a business, uh, things change and that's okay too. So I'm curious that you're willing to accept that based on the fact that you're kind of creating rebels and a lot of your in the past from when you were, you know, starting the lemonade stands and, and in college starting the group and, you know, even if you're not at Babson and all this stuff, what is it that, where do you draw the line between like administrative tasks that you don't enjoy uh, that much versus saying, no, you know what, I'm going to outsource this because I really want to do the creative stuff or the leading or the community building or whatever it is that you really do enjoy? Well, so as when you start as an entrepreneur, as a co-founder, everything at the bottom, at the end of the day, everything relies on you. And so I've been trying to, you know, the old adage from Michael Gerber and the e-myth, I'm trying to work on the business instead of in the business. And I want to perfect our systems and our processes and uh, something I've talked about on my podcasts very, you know, tons of times. And so I was able to do that, maybe uh, really focus on that three or four months ago. And then because I knew I had a really travel, heavy travel period coming up through Peru and Ireland and back to the States and to Bali, and then finally back to Costa Rica, I knew that I was going to have all of that. So I needed the systems and the processes to work and it to be management by absence as, as they, another acronym MBA, right? So that works, but only in right now in our business that only works for short periods of time. And then my inbox is just like two months old, not two months old, but lots of stuff that need my attention. And then the systems break as we grow and we have to build new systems. And um, But then there's just like always fires to be put out. And that's the stressful thing. That's the thing that I just honestly do not like. And I am trying to figure out who the right team members who are better equipped for that are. Uh, we also attract a very creative group of people to our team and so it's difficult to for it's difficult for creative people like myself to handle those everyday tasks and the logistics and the coordination of flights and transportation and hotels for hundreds of people uh, at a time and so that is something that I struggle with. I can do it, but it's not good for my cortisol levels. I, again, would rather be taking people to the beach and showing them a beautiful time and working hand in, you know, working with them in person and talking to them about the things that they care about and getting up every morning uh, like you and I both love to do at five, to call it 530 and get up and have a cup of coffee and sit on the front porch and be able to write and inspire people and create content and manage the, you know, I say manage the community. I don't even like the word manage, right? Is build the community and see what people are, are talking about and caring about. So that's what I just did this morning, trying to get back to the basics. And uh, I've had such a better day than when I'm just jammed in my inbox trying to get stuff done, cross stuff off my to-do list. 
So I'm curious as well about how you have managed the ups and downs or the flow of under 30 and how it has transitioned from project to project. You know, there, there must have been just like any growing business points where, you I mean, you talked about pushing, you know, page views and, and making money per click and all this stuff. And we've actually, I think it was, wow, almost a year ago that I randomly emailed you and I said, hey, Matt, I would like your opinion. I want to start yes. an online magazine. And you were like, Amiga. <laughs> I would I would say that your main answer was and you you gave me a great answer. It was, you know, do your thing. If you want to do that, that's great, but let me tell you the truth. And that's exactly why I reached out to you for the truth. And you were like, you have to put your your foot to the gas all the to the pedal the entire time and it is exhausting. And I believe you. How do you manage those moments of exhaustion or of burnout. You mentioned before we started recording that you've kind of been in a little bit of a rut. So tell me a little bit about how you manage that. And I know that I'm speaking to Matt Wilson, who has long, I think your hair is longer than mine right now. It, it Marcella, it is so long <laughs> right now. Like I, My I amigo surfing. bohemio. I love it. It, I is, love it. it is so, I haven't, I've had one haircut in the last year. I mean, it is, it, anyway, it's, yeah, it's really crazy right That's now. Awesome. I've been trying to get a haircut since April, and uh, yeah, I just, well, whatever. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so, Rather exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, how do I manage that rut? And how, well, first of all, I, and I can really get into this, of course, is that I think really, really, really good care of myself. And I am, extremely diligent about my sleep and my nutrition and my exercise and my just gauging my health and my mental states and my meditation practice and, and all of these things. So we can get into that. And that's what we talk about so much on, on my podcast. But as far as the creativity, as far as the creativity goes and how the heck when for the last five weeks, right, I've just been pushing, I've really been pushing my limits as far as what I can handle. And on top of that, I've had so much stuff going on with friends and family. I didn't get any visitors for three years. And now I feel like everybody I know has come to visit, which is great. And uh, I've had to sit and and, uh, and practice my, my gratitude and say, I'm so thankful that all of these people who love me are coming, even though I've been a little bit stressed because I'm trying to manage a, a business and a million other things. Um, and I just don't like when I'm stressed in Costa Rica or when I call Jared and I'm stressed about something and I'm down here, he just makes fun of me to my face. And he's like, oh, yeah, life is really hard in in Costa Rica. Get over it, dude. Like nobody has these issues down here um, with with stress or at least it's not perceived. So anyway, I am trying to get out of my inbox and trying to get back to the process. And someone who I really admire, who is really good at this, uh, Yvonne Girard, uh, the founder of Patagonia. And he wrote an amazing book, which I've read a few times called Let My People Go Surfing. And he is a rock climber. And he created a global, global brand, Patagonia. I mean, it's it's a huge it's a huge company but they are very aligned with their mission with their purpose uh, they support tons of environmental causes he go if he wants to go to South America and go rock climbing for a few months 
he just does it. I mean, he started the company because he wanted to make really good rock climbing clothes because all his gear was getting torn up. So he started wearing rugby shirts and people started buying them from him. And then he started a little uh, a little shop where he was making his own pieces for, for rock climbing and people loved it. But he focused on the process and doing that very, very well. And so when I'm playing catch up or when I'm like stuck in my inbox or when I'm worried about our exponential growth and how to manage it. Or I wrote something really stupid the other day. I was really frustrated with myself. I had this conversation with Jared and I was like, we just need one more lead per day. How do we do that? And we went through all these ideas and all about this stuff about our outbound marketing. And we finally have a really nice uh, budget to work with for, for advertising. And we're spending money in a lot of different places. And I basically said, I hope I can swear. I think I've already sworn several times, but I said, all that. We should just worry about what we do right now already really well and improve that. Spend the money there. Give people the best possible travel experiences that we can. Make the best possible community that we possibly can. Create lifetime memories for people because they're going to tell all of their friends. They're going to continue to spread the word. We're going to support the local communities in these places all over the world that we really care about. We're going to support the people back home who are stuck behind their desks and this is their chance to be able to see the bigger picture. And so when we come back to our roots, when we come back to our basics of community, of creativity, helping people support their side projects, of me actually being able to write quality blog, quality newsletter, create quality content on the podcast. Uh, Getting back to the roots is really what we do. And it's focusing on the process of what we do well. And we know that if we do that well, it's just going to spread. And if it doesn't, who cares? Because we're going to be happy doing what we're doing right now. I totally get you. And it, it makes total sense. But that risk, when you make a decision like that, and it's an important decision that affects a lot of people, Does that, is it the excitement about what could be that gets you through that indecision and and slight fear? Or is that just me projecting that kind of, um, you know, making any kind of important decision can be scary. So is it the excitement that gets you through that? Or are you really believe, all right, this is what it's going to work and we're going to go with it and everybody's going to get behind. And it's just, you just believe it into existence. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I I totally hear you. I think I had to pause for a second to, to really, yeah, to really conceptualize it. But when we really believe in what we're doing and our product is so good, I mean, the experience that we give people in places like Bali, in places like Nicaragua, in places like Iceland, the product is so good. I mean, everyone has the time of their lives. And so... Because we believe in that so much, because we know our our product is so rock solid and we get so many rave reviews and (laughs) there's never anybody who dislikes it, I mean, ever. And... And it's not for everybody, of course, but we really set expectations before people come about, hey, you're going to Iceland. It might sleep and rain and pelt you with with hail in the face for the entire trip, but you're still going to have a blast if you come with the right attitude. Because our product is so good, 
that we believe in and then we can take risks like on our marketing budget or we can take risks like hiring a couple people before we're probably ready but if they're the right people if they're people who align with our process if they're people who can contribute to the community then i think it's just going to i think it's just going to spread and it sounds almost a little hokey uh, like we just have this blind faith because yeah we do need to ask ourselves like we still do ask every single person on the team how are you contributing to the bottom line right because but we have ways of contributing to the bottom line like hey are you the right person who's going to make friends with every single person on your trip every single traveler you need to be friends with and wish them happy birthday and this is not a requirement it's just that you're the right person who's going to do that because i truly care about all the people that i've i've traveled with and so once we're in alignment with that process, we know that that's how that grew us from the first year doing three trips to the next year, doing 12 trips the next year, doing 50 trips the next year, maybe doing close to 100 trips. Uh, and that's how it grew already. That's how it's already grown. So we're just going to keep betting that. Just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, yeah, so we believe in, in that what we do works. And so we just need to keep doing more of the same and, and let it grow organically and not, and not force it. So have the right people on board who are just going to, uh, yeah, keep feeding fuel to the fire and, uh, and see where it goes. So we've been talking a lot about under 30, the company, the projects, the collaborators, the people. What about just Matt Wilson? Uh, what is how is Matt Wilson doing in this season of life? I'm curious because a big part of my self-discovery over the past, I would say confidently a year, I started the process about two years ago, was to separate uh, my self-worth from my accomplishments. And yes. I know that you do a lot of self-work on this kind of stuff. So tell me a little bit about where you're at with that, because I feel like there are a lot of people listening who could not just enjoy that kind of information from somebody who's doing so much, because it sounds like you talk about stress, but it sounds like your work, you get it done mostly in a peaceful way because of that constant, you know, gauge on, on how you're feeling, how you're doing. But it's also, it's just great to know, you know, I thought it was just me. It's not. Listen to Matt Wilson. He went through this. So tell us a little bit about, about that and your journey with that. Sure. So Marcel, I wrote an article about this a year and a half ago, maybe. And it said, <laughs> it said how I banished my battle with stress. And uh, yeah, your, your listeners may be interested in that. And um, basically what the article talked about is how exactly what you said, how I detached from the business and said, this does not mean anything about me. And really, I can't exactly remember. And yeah, of course, everyone's still going to have stress, right? There's no way to live in a little utopia. And if you did, that would be stupid. You would live in a bubble and you would never have any challenges in your life. And um, But honestly, the way that I've, the way, at least my entrance into into kind of these ideas was through yoga and just going to enough classes because I well first of all I started doing yoga maybe five years ago to recover from workouts and 
you know, just stretch my body and not be so wound up. And then I realized, oh, wait, you're, you're actually wound up not because you're working out too hard. It's because you're wound up from stress. And so then I just started to, to let go of so much of that. And I was like, whoa, this is really powerful physically, right? And then I started to realize that it was good for my mind too. And then I started to really dive into a lot of the concepts about the ego and how your ego are your thoughts about yourself and how those thoughts about yourself are usually there to protect you. And so when you say, oh, I'm Matt Wilson and I am this and I am that and I'm a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a businessman and I'm a like whatever bullshit that, that you tell yourself, right? You're like, I can do this and I can I can do that. Well, it's just all stuff to make you feel good about yourself, basically. Um, and so that's that was my big realization is that all of my stress was just because I was so identified to who I thought I was and what my business was and my forward or my uh, external what the external world thought of me. And we had a half a million people reading our reading our blog every month. You know, a lot of people were were reading my stuff and I don't want my life to be about, hey, how many people liked my Facebook post or how many people retweeted my article or or how many podcast listeners do I have? Yes, those things are important to me because I want metrics that tell me what the audience is, what the audience likes, and how I can perpetuate this mission and the things that I have to say and my kind of gift to the world, I guess, if you would say. But I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, I have this special gift that I need to give all these people. And this is why I feel good about myself. And I want to be in the magazines and all that crap. And so anyway, getting back to stress, the issue for me was I would think Oh God, I'm so, it's self-importance, right? And that's what I had to, that's why I don't live in New York anymore because everyone is so self-important that everyone just thinks, oh God, yeah, like I gotta be here on this time at this date. That's why I don't have a car and I walk around barefoot and I ride Collectivo. Yeah, I could afford to take a taxi or buy a car, but I don't want to because I wanna be able to talk with, you know, some guy who can barely, you know, I wanna have a conversation with the local people, some fisherman who can barely read or write, who doesn't have anywhere to go. And that's very refreshing for me. And I wanna see myself the same as him. So that's a lot of the reason that I live down here and I'm not going to take myself so damn seriously all the time. So that's really what has helped me uh, let go of that crap is, okay, I miss a meeting. Well, nobody's going to die. You know, it's going to, or the age old question in a year from now, will it matter? No, it's not going to matter. Or, or Marcella, I'm sorry. I was, I was probably 10 minutes uh, late for our call. And usually I would really get bent out of shape about that or not usually in the past until I did so much work on this subject. But look, I'm not like Mr. Power hungry dude who's going to spike my cortisol because I'm running 10 minutes late. I mean, the real reason was is I hadn't eaten breakfast yet and I need I knew that I needed to put every good piece of nutrient into that shake that I was making. I was chopping my ginger, Marcella, while I was 10 minutes late for you and I really appreciate that you were able to to, to wait because then I could have proper nutrition so I could come on here and have a really meaningful conversation with you. So, thank and you. And I for love that. it cuz on the other side it's like 
yeah, no problem. I'm just gonna keep doing this thing that I was doing anyways while I wait for you. Nope, no, exactly. like it's seriously not a big deal. And sometimes, yeah, we get bent out of shape over something that is so small in the in the larger scheme of things. But yeah, and I, I love that. I love your take. And I, you mentioned a lot the work that you've done on these subjects. What mm-hmm. what kind of work? Is it uh, reading books just for people who might want to get started sure. or to go deeper with their own self-work? What is it that you do uh, in Costa Rica? You mentioned yoga. Sure. Okay. So I am, I would say, a bit of a nerd. And I actually, I wouldn't even describe myself as a nerd. I just devour every piece of information I can get my hands on. Like I am, I'm listening and listening to podcasts and reading stuff and watching YouTube videos, like maybe three hours a day, I would say. And this is in addition to at least 30 minutes of meditation in the morning, in addition to working out probably five days a week. And I'm not saying all this to to brag, but that's what it took to get me from being just like, I don't know, I'm completely different than I was even two years ago, even especially three, five, or, or what I was in college. Um, you know, all I cared about in college was drinking 30 beers a weekend and trying to bench 300 pounds. <laughs> like that's all I could. Well, among other, among other things, but yeah, I mean, that's what I cared about in college. And then I was like, hey, dude, uh, it doesn't, you know, we grow up in this, especially for men, we grow up in this pack mentality where you have to be the biggest and the strongest or the, the loudest or the, you know, be able to crush the most beers over your head or something ridiculous. And uh, it took me a long time to get out of that. But the work I would say is I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of books and I can get into specifics so people can, can hear uh, these things. But if I was if I was the reader, right, or the listener, I would sit down and write what the things are that I wanted to improve on in my life or what would make the absolute most impact in the shortest amount of time. And so if it for me it was mainly changing my mindset and my mentality around things and my psychology and because Fitness, I had a good grasp on. Nutrition, I'm always learning more about, but I, I feel like I'm really good on that, right? My sleep, you know, I've always been very, very disciplined. And, but to say, you know, okay, I want to really work on cutting my stress levels, right? Well, then start to go to, uh, to yoga classes or go to a meditation class um, or start to read up on this stuff and just start Googling around or listen to listen to the different uh, podcasts or that are about there. I mean, out there, I mean, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about it for, and he's very basic in what he talks about as far as meditation, but listen to some of these interviews with Tim Ferriss, right? Or Dave Asprey from Bulletproof. Uh, those are two really good places to start if you want to just learn about what you can do to start cutting your stress. And yeah, a lot of this for me had to do with my nutrition also because you spot, you know, I was, I would get hangry a lot when I didn't eat. I would, you know, I would get really, really angry for some reason. And I would have to sit and ask myself, finally, after I asked myself this a thousand times, where is this anger coming from? I would look at it and be like, well, first of all, I shouldn't be eating so much protein because, you know, your back looks like a werewolf and you've got acne because of the protein causes inflammation. And, you know, dude, chill out on the, chill out on the lifting heavy weights all at five days a week or whatever, right? And then I had to say, okay, 
well, let's do try to do everything in moderation and now I eat more healthy fats that fuel my brain and get that to work a lot more properly. Um, I've read a lot on Buddhism. Um, there's a great podcast, Buddhist Geeks, that can get, again, really geeky. And it's a lot of the stuff is over my head because I'm, I'm not Buddhist or, or some. It's not something that I practice regularly, but I practice a lot of the concepts. Um, so that has really helped just committing to, to making yourself better every single day. And I seek out what the best performers in the world are doing. And so that's why I listen to Tim Ferriss all the time, or that's why I listen to Dave Asprey all the time, or that's why I interview my smart, absolutely my smartest friends who are into this kind of stuff and ask them, okay, what are your tips for fitness and nutrition and sleep and meditation? And I surround myself with the right people who are into this kind of stuff. And if you look at your friends and they're all stressed out and they're all overweight, or they all smoke cigarettes and eat Big Macs at the same time, then you got to start to look for people who can support the lifestyle that you want to want to live. And so, yeah, that's the kind of work uh, that, that I'm talking about. Just day in and day out, what can I do to, to improve? So one last question. I feel like we could start, we could talk forever, Matt Wilson. <laughs> that was uh, that was quite an answer, I think. I know, and I the thing is that I'm taking notes, so <laughs> that's why I'm. There are two reasons why I'm so quiet while you're answering. One is our internet connection. You're in Costa Rica. I'm in Nicaragua. Is probably not the greatest, so I put myself on mute while you speak, so that our internet connection is not worried or not uh, taking on my audio while you're speaking. Oh, okay. Good uh, good little tip. And I I have a little background noise, so I apologize for anybody no, no, who could no. hear that. I wanted to hit mute, but I didn't want to screw it up. Sometimes I can be a little clumsy. No, no, no. So that's, and also I'm taking notes on everything you're saying. So everybody can check out the show notes afterward. But I am curious, uh, before we wrap this up, what is the kind of work that you're doing now? So like, what is the next step for you personally with your creativity, with your, you know, efficiency, your productivity, Sure. whatever it is that you consider is the thing that you want to work on next? Sure. And I also want to to clarify, because I've had a, a very much a fire hose uh, of information. And I just, bla- yeah, you would have to take notes if you're listening to this, because I've just blasted out a million things. But I talk about improving every day, right? And yes, of course, you want to, again, you want to have benchmarks, you want to have metrics. But I also just want to be and sit and be able to watch the sunset every day. And that is a really good metric, right? Okay, here, here's two of my favorite metrics. Two of my favorite metrics are, do I know, this is ridiculous, do I know what phase the moon is right now? So have I spent at least two minutes a day going outside and looking at the moon or looking at the stars, or if I've spent time outside, like I just at night when it's granted in Costa Rica, it gets dark at uh, sunset is at 515 tonight, right? Or that's a great metric. I know what time sunset is because that means I've watched it the last couple nights or I know that high tide is going to be four, three thirty, four o'clock today because I've been surfing in the last couple of days. So I know that, right? Or I know, yeah, we had a full moon a couple, two nights ago. And because I've been outside observing, and looking around. Or my other favorite, my other favorite metric is can I walk across the hot beach 
without being like, ooh, ooh, my tender little feet. No, I've been walking everywhere barefoot. And uh, that means I'm in a good place in my life. So I'm not, I try to let go of that super type A, like, am I improving every day? Am I getting stronger? Have I improved my body of knowledge? Or am I just happier? Am I just more calm? Uh, am I, am I just enjoying life because that's the important because that's the important thing life is is just too short um, but the kind of work that I've been doing yeah it's not always about just improving and getting bigger and having more because I want to let that go too uh, the need and the wants for that's actually what I've been trying to to do the most is just let go of the need to want more. And that's why I'm such a minimalist and I live out of two backpacks or, you know, that my, my rent is a quarter of what it is. It was in New York, but the type of work that I'm doing right now, just for, just to kind of give you a little insight, Marcella, into, into what I'm working on. Yesterday, I listened to Two Tim Ferriss podcasts, right? Number 50 with Peter Atia, who is a really, really brilliant doctor. And that science that they talked about, that, or mainly that Peter Atia talked about, was over my head, which, and I've probably listened to 150 of Bulletproof, Bulletproof Radio episodes. So I know the science pretty well, uh, if, if anybody else has listened to any of this stuff. But so I listened to uh, Peter Atia, who is a brilliant doctor who, you know, talks about what type of, you know, what the best hacks for your sleep are and what kind of foods that you should be eating and really, really nerdy science on this type of stuff. But I'm, I'm working on that. I'm also working on little things actually in my, uh, in my posture and in my yoga practice and being able to, to, be aware of different parts of my bodies that as kind of cubicle monkeys, we hunch over our computer all the time. Well, I stand all day at a standing desk or it's not a standing desk. It's my, it's my kitchen counter with six books and my laptop in front of it. And, you know, I remember I try to touch my toes three times an hour and I realize, whoa, man, that makes such a big difference in my life. Um, and, you know, just trying to manage it, just trying to create more of a balance in my life where I can be creative and I can start to wake up every morning a little bit earlier and do my meditation practice and then go out and have a clear mind, put on a pot of coffee and sit there and write and get back to my basics of what I love to do and not be too stressed out. But, uh, you know, and I'm also, I'm really working on not being too hard on myself because I am extremely disciplined, as you probably can tell, but I want to be easy on myself. I don't want to, you know, I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, Matt, you're such an idiot, right? So I'm very paid very close attention to my thoughts and, and my self-talk, right? And some people, if you're listening to this right now, if you called yourself an idiot today, like, why? You, you know, you're not an idiot. Everybody screws up whatever you screwed up today. Yeah. And so I try to think of what are all of the things that I said to myself today and quick put a label on the, those thoughts and say, okay, like, hey, be a little bit nicer to you because then you'll be able to be a little bit nicer to the people around you. And hey, it's okay if you are at the gym and you can't complete this exercise the way that you wish you could. It's all right. Life will go on. And so just being nicer to myself, I think, is really important also because, yeah, I'm tough on myself or, or with Spanish, right? I'm trying to get to a high level of fluency and I get frustrated when I'm 
when I'm trying to tell a story in Spanish and I'm like dragging on and butchering it, right? And then I'm tough on myself and then I'm, wait a second, chill out. You're a gringo. It's okay. People accept you because you try to be a good person every day when you wake up. You can, your grammar can be a little bit crappy. It's okay. So just being nicer to myself, I think is something that we can all do better at. I think we will be practicing some Spanish. Very soon, amigo. Definitivamente. All right. Thank you so much, Matt, for being on. And uh, and I hope that I'll I'll be... These are extensive show notes. They will be on <laughs> online at process.show so everybody can get in touch with you and also read all these books that you mentioned, the articles that you've mentioned, and, and definitely I hope that it, it helps some people out there. So thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely, Marcella. And I'm going to see you in, uh, Marcella, I turn 30 in less oh. than a month and I'm coming to Nicaragua for my 30th birthday. Nice. So uh, yeah, we're going to talk. All right, many more tequilas to come. Well, thank you. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay, ciao, Marcella. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt Wilson, a nonstop traveler, rebel rouser, someone who is making sure everything he works on allows him to be his best self at the same time. That's dedication. Matt's trust in his project and the people he surrounds himself with sounds like a dream come true. Sure, there are many more obstacles for him to fight through in the future, but it sounds like Matt is on an amazing path, one that I deeply admire. So thank you, Matt, for sharing all of that with us. Also, Matt mentioned a few books and articles during the show. I'll be posting those links and more about where you can find them, uh, Matt and his projects, in the show notes. So visit process.show for more information. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed my talk with Matt, I'd love it. You'd make my day if you could hop on over to iTunes and leave me a fabulously glowing review. I'll be back next Friday with the next episode of Process and more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this is Process.